Welcome to the Jackets Online podcast. I'm Kelly Quinlan, joined by Russell Johnson, and uh, it's been a strange up and down week uh, for Georgia Tech sports. Uh, highlighted with a, an interesting football hire and a big baseball commitment, and then uh, sort of a dumpster fire esque basketball game on Tuesday night against NC State. So um, I think we'll start off with football, Russell. Uh, let's. The big news of the week um, was at least thus far has been the hiring of David Turner as a assistant head coach, defensive run game coordinator, whatever his title is, um, uh, you know, a veteran uh, defensive line and linebackers coach has coached at multiple SEC and ACC programs going back really to the mid eighties, I think. Um, yeah. I was going to say he's, he's been coaching longer than I've been alive. Yeah, no, I mean, this is a guy that's well-respected. It's a, a veteran presence on the staff, um, a guy that has recruited some pretty high-level talent and developed some high-level talent as well. Uh, was, you know, caught up in the the situation at Florida and um, hadn't landed anywhere and, and, you know, worked for Jeff at Mississippi State, and that was a connection there, so – he already knows the scheme and what they're what they're trying to do because the defense is at the end of the day Jeff Collins' defense with Thacker and everyone else kind of trying to help facilitate. And I think Jeff's I've said this over and over again. I think Jeff's calling the shots on the defense this year. But um, short of him announcing that publicly, that's that's where we stand with this. And so it makes a lot of sense to hire a guy that he knows. Um, you know, uh, people wanted a special teams coach. I think at the end of the day there, um, it was hard to find one that fit um, what they were trying to do. And and really, there's been quite a run on those guys. If you follow like football scoop or some of those things, you'll see like all these different guys getting plucked off, uh, particularly in the NFL um, that are high level guys. And, and the way that NFL works now is they'll have like three special teams coaches on the NFL team. Like I know uh, I have a buddy who's on the Ravens staff, that's a special teams coach that was a college offensive coordinator. So um, it, it's, you know, the, as that the proliferation of large staffs in the NFL continue, it's, it's caused a little bit of a um, shortage, I think, in some ways with that, in that part. And I think, um, you know, ultimately having a guy that's a, a, a veteran coach is, is great. He can come in and, um, help Larry Knight with the defensive line. He could help Jason Seymour with the linebacker situation a little bit too, knows both those spots, um, you know, can, can coach when they do individuals, like they can split the D lineup they, if they need to and have him coach ends or tackles or however they want to do that. So I think that gives them some good operational flexibility and practice. And obviously a guy that, you know, I mean, Chris Jones, Miles Garrett, a long list of guys that he's mentored, that have made a crap ton of money in the NFL and been high draft picks. And uh, I, I feel like that's maybe something that was a little missing on the resume. Cause really, um, you know, other than Brent and coach Collins himself, there's not a ton of guys that put a ton of dudes in the league on the staff. Cause the staff leans a little bit on the younger side. Yeah. Um, so uh, to me, that's, you know, a great pickup there. Um, Cause you've got now this nice, Blend, you have some real veteran guys. Brent Key, you know, Winky actually is kind of a veteran guy who worked in the NFL. Chip Long's been assistant coach for quite a while. Um, 
and then you know as i said brant david turner now um and some younger guys like mike daniels that are hot, kind of high energy guys and then some guys in between that like you know Kerry dixon so uh, i think you have a nice mix and you know larry knight's a younger guy but he's done a great job for them so i think you know maybe they're giving him the whole d-line here i i don't think we have the full picture of what exactly is going to happen yet with that but i feel like um you know this is a, a good a good addition for the staff especially given the circumstances right like at the end of the day the outward optics is this is a hot seat situation and so um you know georgia tech's not uh you know, one of those schools with a hundred million dollar athletic budget, they can't go hire whoever they want and just pay them ridiculous amounts of money. So I think they did a good job. I know, you know, a little bit more about David from the recruiting world and, and also even from Mississippi state kind of, can you share some, your thoughts and kind of the hire and what you're hearing on your channels? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, his, like I, I mentioned when you know the hire was announced and even when it was rumored and, and you and I were talking about it, um, you know, yeah, that, a, that's uh, a whole funny other story. Uh, we'll tell the backstory real quick. So we found out uh, like that morning, I think I found out that this was the guy and Russell and I were trying to chase it down. Um, <clears throat> uh, apparently ahead of the announcement, um, it turns out I was with travel and um, just kind of life stuff going on. I hadn't, been quite as in hot pursuit of it as I normally would have been. So it took me a little longer to track this one down. And, um, you know, we immediately had like a conversation about it. And if you notice, we had a story up like within like two or three minutes of it, like coming out and can't, you know, can beat me by like a couple of minutes on it, which good for him. Um, and it happens. So it was just funny. Cause we had talked about that the entire morning, Russell and I had texting each other and then it went down pretty quickly. Yeah, I did. And, um, you know, like I was saying, um, with his re- recruiting ability, I mean, you know, you can go back just to the the 2021 class when, you know, one of Georgia Tech's top D line targets, which, you know, everybody really wasn't sure why Georgia Tech was in the mix, why Georgia Tech was in the mix for so long. Uh, it ended up actually being because of, I think it was either, I think it was Knight, it was either Knight or Coleman that had a really good relationship with the kid, but uh, Tyreek sat from uh, St. Thomas Aquinas actually ended up with at Florida and uh, Turner was his primary recruiter there. Um, you can, you can also go back to Jervon Dexter, the, the talented DN D tackle hybrid kid from Florida. Uh, he was, I think he was the secondary recruiter for him. But then like, if you go like back, back into his, um, his channels, like, and I think when you when you do that and you go back to these you know longstanding relationships that he's had in uh, the state of Georgia with recruits he's landed, um, the state of Texas he's had success in the past. I don't see that being too much of a factor at Georgia Tech, uh, but he can also recruit in the Carolinas, which is something that uh, you know Marco Coleman d- did at times. Uh, you know he did sign Emmanuel Johnson in the the first class, and then uh, before he ended up leaving. Yeah, uh, you know, the Carolinas have been good to Georgia Tech traditionally. Um, that's been an area where they've been a little absent really in the last, uh, probably the last seven or eight years, um, really, to be honest with you. They they got away from it a little bit. Andy McCollum recruited that area really well before him. Um, it was a little before my time. I'm trying to remember who had it, but 
they've had some decent success getting kids out of there. Um, had some bad luck with some kids out of the Carolinas too. Just some weird fluke situations like Jalen Ratliff, the quarterback that got um, in the ATV accident, uh, who was Mr. North Carolina. Um, that would have been basically the successor to Justin Thomas back in the day. Um, but yeah, they've, you know, and tech I this, forgot Zeke Biggers. Yeah. I was going to say Zeke, you know, they signed him out of there. They had another commitment from that area that ended up having to part ways with uh, for some other non-football reasons. Um, in the, was that the last cycle? Um, yeah, it was 21. Yeah. So, Sean, Ch- Sean Chappelle, he's at yeah. HBCU now. Yeah. So, you know, um, it would be nice to see them make some inroads. And I think honestly, you know, it's a way to keep some of your peers honest. You have North Carolina coming and knocking on your back door right now and um, recruiting kids in your own backyard and all these other South Carolina, North Carolina, Clemson, blah, blah, blah. Go up there and get a few kids. There's always kids that fall through the cracks in those areas. Um, yes. Yeah. Especially, you know, South Carolina in particular is really difficult to recruit and, pretty much anywhere outside of Charlotte, Raleigh and North Carolina is hard to recruit because people just don't put in, it's a lot of effort to drive from Raleigh to the outer banks area and recruit guys and go to Asheville and those areas. And there are kids there. You just have to find them. So um, I'll be curious to see how much they dip into those areas. Uh, I, you know, I, I know a lot of um, coaches and recruits in that area. So uh, you know, for us, we'd enjoy seeing that. We enjoy seeing them recruit Texas. Um, we'd like to see yeah. Tech recruit Louisiana again at some point. Um, I'll be curious to see if that comes back on the agenda at some point. And obviously, with Mike Daniels now, they're starting to recruit Ohio again, which was another area that's had they've had success with. I think that Ohio, like Western Pennsylvania area, is an area that uh, is maybe a little unmined for Georgia Tech as well. The one thing that I'll tell people that they don't realize, um, and, you know, I assume that, you know, the staff realizes this too. Um, and from conversations I have with some people, they do, you know, the brand is more valuable the further away you get from Atlanta uh, in a lot of ways. Um, so in a lot of those areas, the the tech brand carries a little more weight. That's why they've recruited so well in places like Jacksonville or down in Florida and Miami, because the brand carries a little more weight than it does say, you know, sometimes in South Georgia or, you know, even in Alabama or, or Tennessee. So I think there's some some ground you can make up in some of those areas. And I'll be curious to see, you know, right now they have an insane amount of offers out, um, casting a wide net. Um, yeah. For the but first. You also got to remember that the uh, like a good amount of those offers are from coaches who aren't there. So like, that's the other weed through thing that we got to do now. Like we're going to be spending probably weeks figuring out. And this is one of the things we'll find out too, uh, as the rivals camp series kind of uh, gets going next month, as we start talking to kids more and more in person, we'll have a better feel for who's still even in contact. Like you know, who are they still emailing? Who are they still calling yeah. with? Like that's one of the things that, you know, Russell and I will be working on for a while is just trying to whittle down that list to the core hundred kids, the core 80 kids, whatever that number is that they're actually recruiting um, as opposed to whatever it is right now, which I think's we've whittled it down some, but it's still probably in the nineties, I would think um, right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's whittled down quite a bit from the 300 and something offers they have out. 
<laughs> so, well, um, that, that's why people pay us the big bucks, Russell. Uh, they yeah, want. that's right. That's right. Uh, so I think, you know, cause when you think about it, you know, when choice would go into Texas every January and December um, during the evaluation periods, and he would be the, he would always want to be the first offer for those kids at like South Oak cliff um, at DeSoto and other schools like that. And uh, you know, as a, as a result, you know, the, those offers, you know, when they get, they get put on rivals profiles, no matter how early they come in. <laughs> so, you know, those numbers, those numbers pile up. Um, and then you've got the, the rash of offers in uh, Florida. I mean, St. Thomas Aquinas. And yeah, um, well, they offered, I think eight or nine kids that in the same day that um, Collins was at that, at the school, he pulled the trigger. He pulled the trigger on so many kids. And I think that that speaks to just the amount of talent there. And I mean, you know, it's not St. Thomas Aquinas isn't exactly IMG, but they recruit like their IMG, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, they definitely have a lot of talent. They have, that's where you would go to get speed and skill, guys. Um, uh, you know, uh, that's one of the things that they have a real strength in. And, and that's why you go to Miami, right? You're going to Miami to find speed and, and skill guys, skill, you know, corner wide receiver type guys, some, some linebackers a little bit. And then the occasional linemen, like uh, they've recruited, you know, Alton Tarber and some other guys in that area. But I think that those are smart areas to recruit, right? You get a game every other year there. This is one other thing people don't think about either. Like if you're asking a kid to come across, you know, 10 hours away, 11 hours away or whatever, it is a big deal if you play a game in their backyard every other year. So it helps when you play. That's why I'm saying like even someone like Pitt, you can recruit that Western Pennsylvania, Eastern Ohio area because there's games that their families can drive to Virginia tech, uh, Pittsburgh every year, even Virginia, if they had to, uh, you know, Louisville when they play them and the weird times, you know, once every six years or whatever it is. Um, so I think those are opportunities for, for a lot of these, uh, this more national recruiting approach and you know george is getting a little tapped out too i think with just how many people are recruiting it these days it's it's pretty insane like who all comes into the state of georgia now compared to what it was when i started doing this 15 years ago like the huddle and just the way people have gone and hired people with experience from these areas and stuff is just totally different um than it was recruiting was so much more regionalized even 10 years ago than it is now yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, make no mistake, the uh, the prior- priority for, for Georgia Tech, for Jeff Collins, is always going to be the state of Georgia. Um, sure, and it's going to be the Atlanta area. Like, Yeah, I expect more than half of their 2023 class to be from either the Atlanta area or, let's say, within three hours of Atlanta, pending traffic, of course. But, yeah, once you get into certain parts of Georgia, it's a little bit of a crapshoot, and, you know, that's where they've seen – uh, you know, had some issues too, holding on to kids and stuff. And it, it gets difficult when you get into South Georgia, man, like, cause it is a really long way from Atlanta and it's just a totally different world. And sometimes you are better off recruiting a kid from Ohio that's super bought in or a kid from Texas or whatever, that's wanting to get away from home than just taking, you know, a kid where you're in an absolute dog fight and in South Georgia. But, yeah, that's my take, having seen a lot of these through multiple staffs and even seen just the outer um, what other schools are doing, not necessarily even Georgia Tech. So um, 
it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see where I'm going to be really curious to see what the areas end up being. Cause it seems a little bit in flux still right now from talking to some recruits and kind of looking at who's getting tagged on offers and stuff. Um, I think they still probably got to figure out the territories a little bit better. Uh, Cause I mean, let's face it. This is what's six of 10 spots changed. Cause you kept Thack, Larry Knight, uh, Brent Key and Carrie and Carrie Dixon. Sorry, yeah, and that's it. So everything else changed. That changes. You know, you want to try to select guys where their strengths are. So I imagine Chris Winkie will be down in Florida recruiting, and you know he's got a big name down there. Like that makes a lot of sense, right? Probably putting him in Jacksonville or Tallahassee or some of those places or. And you have guys like Kerry that have built relationships down in South Florida, right? So it'll be interesting to see what they do with those guys and and how this is all delineated. And still got staff hires to make in that regard too. You still have to replace Patrick Suttis. Um, Russell and I share the opinion that I think that's going to be a two man operation and not just like one guy. That's the overriding replacement. Suttis wore a lot of hats. I think it makes a little more sense to break that job up unless you just have somebody you think's an absolute home run to do all of it. But uh, to me, I think you get more strength if you, I think there's, there are two people they could hire right now and then have a very strong uh, staff in that situation. So I'll be curious to see how that all plays out. And we should know, I think in the next, you know, week or two, what's going on there, because at the end of the month, the um, dead period ends and they'll start having kids on campus. You want to have things set up by then. Yeah, you got to have everything in place. You got to have everything in place before the first weekend of March, because once these once these kids start being able to get back on campuses and and go on visits, um, a lot of these kids aren't going to mess around this cycle. They're going to do exactly what kids in the class of 2021 were doing in terms of uh, making early commitments. In your um, reservation. The, yeah, especially for the the ones who are, are listening to the advice, people who have either experienced the transfer portal or have seen the the way the transfer portal can impact a high school kids recruitment. Um, you know, that's something that is a very fascinating, you know, backstory to, to all of this, you know, you're, you're hiring these assistants, you're hiring, um, you know, you're hiring a different recruiting staff in terms of, you know, trying to replace Suttis and like you said, probably doing it with, with more than one hire. Um, you know, you have to have people in your building who are scouting the transfer portal. Like it, it can't just be scouting high school, scouting high school, scouting high school. Like you have to place a priority on the transfer portal early. And there, I mean, there's kids in the transfer portal right now that, that in my opinion, tech could offer and get that they could probably use. Uh, but it's just a matter of, you know, them becoming aware of it, being able to evaluate him, them and extend the offers. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I think there's been a little bit of hesitancy there too, because I think they want to see what they have with um, some of the kids in in terms of spring ball. I think they'll have a pretty clear idea of who's – because the second wave of people leaving comes after spring ball, so they'll have an idea probably about two weeks into camp, which will be – you know, like March 10th or something like that, that gives them basically a month and a half to find what they're looking for two months. If they were trying to get people in for June. Right. Um, 
in the portal. So it'll be interesting. Uh, my guess right now is they have like my rough guess is they have six spots to play with. Um, you know, obviously they're still waiting on Mooney um, paperwork. And then I think there's going to be about six spots with just some attrition. There's some guys that may not be playing football anymore um, just for medical stuff. There's always some of that that goes on. There's always like some dude that quits like the week of practice starting um, that invariably happens. There's always like just some rando like dude that's like, I'm, I'm out. Um, so, I, you know, I would not be shocked to see a little bit of that go on too. And, you know, they got to be careful too, because um, there's not a lot of seniors in the 22 class now. So you got to kind of gauge where you're, your junior class, that 2023 class, um, the, the 2023 grads or 2023 projected seniors will be. That's a, a bigger group. That's like your Dante Smiths, Jemias Griffins, Luke Benson, um, you know, Chemezda, Jordan Dominic, like that group of people. Like those guys will be done with school, um, I would think, after this upcoming season. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see where, where all of that – Play, how all that plays out um and it's something you got to look at going forward and ultimately they have to keep working like they're going to be um around too and that's the the old x factors the seat is warm right so um you know that's going to be an interesting subplot of recruiting too like uh you know how many kids can you get in the boat how excited can you get how much momentum can you build in recruiting too because I feel like you need some of that too to to help, especially with the way the schedule lines up. It's not they got a hard schedule out of the gate. Um, I feel like you need to build some momentum there as well, just to to make it clear that hey, you know, kids are bought into what we're doing, our staffs bought into what we're doing, we're making progress, and and that's going to be uh, something else to watch. I think. Yeah, absolutely like to share a word with you now about our sponsor section 103 who bring you the best georgia tech clothes out there original interesting clothing with the official tech gold and the official word mark and things that are hard to find anywhere else i think it's the best uh best tech apparel you can find on the interwebs it's like the stuff that coaches wear it's really cool you get the AT atl logo that they have um, all the stuff super comfortable, super cool, and they even have youth sizes and women's clothes, and and are constantly adding things. I think uh, the guy who does it, I've gotten to know a little bit through uh, social media, and he just does an amazing job. Jackets Online uh, subscribers can get a discount of ten percent off their first order by using the code Jackets Online, all caps, and check out section103.com. Um, great website. They have all kinds of cool stuff. And, and, you know, people for years have been asking me for cool Georgia Tech designs, unique things. Um, and even the coaches are starting to wear that stuff. You know, Andrew Thacker is wearing uh, one of the shirts at practice, which I thought was really cool and something I pointed out, not knowing that it was one of these designs. So check out our sponsor, Section 103. Great, great company. Let's switch gears. Let's talk about... Um, Georgia Tech baseball. Um, it's opening day as you're hearing this on Friday. Uh, you know, 
it's going to be an interesting season. Um, it's sort of funny looking at the pitching staff because um, you have Chance Huff, who's like their guy, and his stats are sort of unbelievable. Um, his pitching stats from the last couple of years, that that's sort of your guy, but apparently he's really found his stuff and is pitching really well. Um, just a, a different team, but they look like they're going to score a lot of runs. It'll be inter- I think it's going to be interesting to see how the pitching holds up and, and how good it is. There's a lot of depth. You know, I think the question I think tech fans probably will have there is is the quality and the 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 high end quality of that pitching, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, being able to get you know, five or six innings out of either Huff or Maxwell a weekend is going to be um, critical, especially if they are going to continue to roll with the the true freshman Aiden Finitary, um, You know, throughout the season, uh, you know, him getting the the Sunday start, I would say, was really the I wouldn't call it a surprise, but it was uh, it was more justification for the the hype that's been building around him um, ever since he got to campus. Really, you know, he had a, a good fall and and had a really 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 good spring. Obviously, to where you know he's pushing Marquise Grissom into a, a midweek slash weekend bullpen role, and, and that's something that I don't think very many outsiders could have expected or anticipated um, you know, going into the season. I know Finitary wasn't even really like a, a highly, highly rated recruit. Like he wasn't Alex Mooney, the the number one overall recruit who ended up reporting to Duke. Um, but, you know, he he was a pretty talented kid from from Connecticut. And, you know, Connecticut is, it, interestingly enough, that's a place that Georgia Tech has really made a home in lately in Connecticut and in New Jersey. Uh, when you look at, you know, Henry Malloy last year, you had um, – Drew Compton from there, Stephen Reed, and then you've got DeLeo from Connecticut, and now you've got Finitary. So that pocket of the country is just it really helped Georgia Tech. Um, you know, but getting back to, to Huff and Maxwell, I know you know Maxwell as a reliever, um, he he created a lot of heart palpitations for for Georgia Tech fans last year. Um, but you know his stuff and his his velocity, if he's able to to harness that in, maybe drop a couple miles per hour and, you know, be able to regain control a little bit and get that ERA back to where it was last year. I mean, as, as scary as he was, every time he came in onto the, the mound for Georgia Tech fans, he, he still had a, a really impressive, you know, stat line. Uh, the walks were, weren't what you want to see, but he was keeping the ERA down, the, the runs that he was allowing um, after being, in, like them being inherited when he would come into the games wasn't as high as you would expect. Um, it, it was really just all about limiting the walks. And, you know, that that's really going to be the X factor for the entire team because, you know, Huff really struggled last year with that uh, to the point to where there were, like, I think weeks where he wouldn't pitch. And then, like I said, Maxwell struggled with it. Um, you know, Grissom had a hard time when, he was, when his pitch count was getting up. You know, he would have a really good one or two innings, even just an entire first set through the lineup. But once they're getting back there for their second and third ABs, that was where he struggled to, to really command the strike zone uh, while also not, you know, making bad pitches. And, you know, being able to do that. And then you know, Luke Bartnicki, the, the reliever last year, the closer, um, I think he's more than likely going to close again this year. Um, but just being able for him to, to, con- to be able to control the strike zone, limit his walks, and to use that changeup that he's developed um, that, that those are the the real big things in terms of pitching. Yeah, you know Maxwell. It's funny because he had a 
Yeah, like a crazy like uh, opposing batting average was 185 last year, but it's like 1.3 walks per inning pitched <laughs> was basically a stat, which is not good. And um, you know, that's going to be real interesting to see if if he can harness his stuff because that's good stuff. You just got to have the control and that's been a continual sort of issue, you know, and it's issue overriding and, and college baseball. What I'm also kind of interested about, you know, with, with what's going on with the major leagues right now, does it up the interest and in, in get more people to come out to games and um, even make someone like yourself, uh, you know, Russell is such a diehard Braves guy, get more dialed in like watching this because this is going to be your baseball fix for a little while. It seems like that after the 15 minute negotiation on Thursday that I had between the, the players and the, and the owners uh, it seems like it's going to be college baseball probably for at least, you know, a couple months here. Yeah. I wouldn't go that far. I think, I think, I think major league baseball will get it done. I don't know if it's going to be, I don't know if it'll be next week, but I think before, before March 1st, they should have a deal. You think I, so? I mean, they, I mean, they better. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I walked um, through the 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 ninety four strike and the um really um you know that's what like I was a huge huge baseball nerd and that like killed a lot of it for me was that ninety four strike and you know I was following I was actually following the Braves a little bit then um because uh my Red Sox are pretty terrible that season and they were really good. The Expos were really good that year and were a fun team to watch too. That was a cool like race that was going on in the national league and just totally sucked the life out of it. It never really came quite back. I mean, it came back a little bit, but these, you know, just idiots, millionaires fighting billionaires over, you know, just dumb stuff. And everyone's so entrenched drives me crazy. You know, just, figure it out like you're not basketball or nfl like you you or even college football like you have this place and you've sort of at least resurrected things for now like keep it going man like don't be not playing games because that's just gonna drive people away again yeah i mean i think i think spring training is obviously going to be delayed i mean goodness they're supposed to there's supposed to be reports going out right now. I should be watching the MLB network 30 and 30 right now, but instead here we are. We don't even know where guys are going yet. Like that's the crazy part too. Like even once they do their deals, they're going to have some, there's going to be some hot stove action. Oh man, it's going to be nuts. Yeah. I mean, they're going to have like a week or two to probably like sign all of these dudes and you know, someone like the Braves with Freddie Freeman, like trying to get that worked out, like, which I know makes your heart hurt, Russell. Um, just to think about, I, I've resigned to the fact that I think he's leaving, and, and I think no, that, he's going to be Tom Glavin and, and be the turncoat and leave leave for the money. Yeah, yeah, I think he is. I think uh, I think the money, and I, I don't know where he's going to go though. I mean, that's the fascinating part. And then you know, being able to to replace him, I think you know, like I just mentioned in the the live Q and A. Um, just being able to make a move before he makes his move, I think would be the, the smartest idea because if you wait and then he signs somewhere and you're going to, you're going to look a little desperate and the price may be a little higher. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's going to be, um, that'll be interesting. You know, in the interim, you can definitely get your college baseball fix. I, 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 you know, grew up going to college baseball games and um, I, I think it's like really fun to take your kids and, 
go like watch a game and um it's usually pretty entertaining you know the midweek games suck uh because they're like four hours and all the pitching changes usually and that's tough but the weekend series are usually pretty entertaining and, and a good bang for your bucks. So I recommend it if you've not been out to the rusty sea lately to go and, and check it out. I wish I could actually go cover the games this weekend. I'm going to be heading up to Pittsburgh to cover the terrible basketball team um, at Pitt and at Syracuse over the next, over that three day swing um, freezing, freezing myself to death. It's supposed to snow at Pittsburgh on Saturday. Um and Syracuse will be freezing cold. So uh, I'm the idiot that's leaving here. It's, the weather's actually pretty nice here other than the rain. Russell's like, well, I'll trade with you. Like, <laughs> Yeah, we've got a nice storm coming tonight. So, Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, oh, it's raining outside. It's like I turned the AC on in my house because it's like 70 outside. Russell's like not happy about that. Um, yeah, so basketball, you know. I mean, it sort of is what it is now. They 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 don't have a big man that's functional that can score around the rim and create baskets um, when they get into funks, and it, it's literally as simple as that. They don't have even a Todrick Jackson that can score as a scoring guard down in the post or Josh Okogi that were able to create their shots. They don't have a Jose Alvarado that's a, a good driver that can get fouled um, at the rim. You know, even a Marcus George's hunt going back to the Gregory area, they don't have any of that. They have um, a spot up shooter, you know, sort of quasi combo guard and Mike DeVoe. And then, uh, you know, a lot of young kids. And then Ush, who's just sort of really inconsistent when he plays well, they have a chance to win. When he doesn't, they don't. And he played really poorly in the NC State game along with the, the whole team, basically. And they got boat raced in a game for where they're battling to not finish and uh, or battling to not go into last place. They go into last place with the loss. Now they go to Pitt and Syracuse, who are both playing better. And you know, Josh got to figure this out. Like I don't know what um, I don't know what to make of it right now. But uh, it's been a little bit disappointing. I thought it would be tough just with with the situation in the post, I thought that Rodney Howard would be further along than he is, but he's still struggling at times. He seems to play better when the pressure's off of him and the game's a little bit either in their favor or behind. Um, I don't know what that's about. And then, you know, Jordan Mecca still is really raw on offense, can play defense, but still fouls a lot. It's tough. And they got, you know, they're going to play one, two, three, four, five, you know, three games in five days. Um, so, you know, got to win some games here. You got to show a little bit of momentum um, to, to, to build on. And then they got to then find whatever the missing pieces are in the portal. Cause if, I don't think you can go and sign more high school, big man, I think you got to go find somebody that can, can do something in the middle and then find a scoring guard to, that can get to the rack and shoot. Um, that's sort of what they're missing right now. Debo's not ready for that. You know, Miles Kelly's not ready for that. They, they both are extremely talented and could be. You know, Jalen Moore's still incredibly raw, but you can see the, the potential there too. They just are sort of missing that middle piece. I think you know, Khalid Moore not turning into like what they thought he was going to be out of high school is really killing them. He's been almost worse this year um, 
for whatever reason. I, you know, I think they just miss having Jose and that alpha personality on the court. And I think they miss that even more than Moses and his post presence, just having an alpha leader be like, Hey, we're not losing. Let's get our crap together. Um, I know you've been watching games. Is that kind of what you're seeing, Russell? Yeah. I mean, like you said, they, it, it's kind of hard, you know, I mean, Rodney Howard's, I think he's averaging, um, double-digit points and, and close to double-digit rebounds in the last couple of games. But, you know, I think his biggest issue on top of, um, you know, his inconsistency is, is also his ability to stay out of foul trouble. Um, I think that's, uh, you know, you could we could have a probably 60-minute podcast about, you know, a, a rant between you and Josh Pastner. Um, off the record, he would have to speak, of course, but um, about the officiating and the the difference between, you know, Georgia Tech's fouls and, and, and all of that compared to the others. And, and that's really gotten to the way I think of, um, you know, Rodney Howard's development. And then also, you know, you were talking about Jordan Mecca as well. Yeah, I think, you know, that's what's so crazy about this season. They've been much closer to being a, a much better team this year. And they've sort of been for, you know, and I'm not a Homer guy. Like I don't, like it doesn't, it's not that important to me, but they've gotten robbed a lot, like just really bad calls um, and key moments of games. You know, they got just absolutely um, killed at Duke for no reason, like just bad officiating. Uh, the game in Miami is probably as bad as I've ever seen. There was a five minute stretch where if I were Josh Pastner, I would have thrown a chair, like literally thrown a chair across the court like and gotten fined i'd have been so pissed and i i don't know what he's got to do to like get maybe he has to grandstand i don't know like maybe that works for other people because they just are not getting it done they're not getting calls and they're clearly not respecting whatever you know georgia tech's doing and, and calling games you know kind of in a lopsided manner and it's hard to imagine it's going to be a lot better when they go to Syracuse and you're dealing with Jim Beheim and you know, yeah. The, the one the game Saturday is like, they got to try to win that game. Um, and even though they win that game, it's going to be a really ugly finish to the season and kill a lot of the momentum that Josh created the last two years with, you know, really fun teams to watch really entertaining basketball and, and the team seemingly in the right direction. Um, I just think it's hard to, to not, to to lose some of that they you know they signed a great class last year right now they don't have anyone i think they're gonna have five spots available so what are they doing with the five spots you know i know that he wants to go into the portal but i have some questions about how that's going to play out so taking five portal guys you're going to look like wake forest having to bring name tags on the on the on the court the first game of the season yeah, you know, and I don't know that they'll do that, but it's just funny to me that like that's you know where things are at. Like that's not that's not where you want to be. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, it's about wins and losses and inconsistency, right? And yeah, they were old. And the issue, the main issue, I think right now for tech fans is, you know, in the COVID year, they weren't eligible to go to the postseason. They were playing really well but they had lost Jose early in the season and didn't have as good of a year as they should have had. Uh, last year had a really good season. They get screwed by COVID, but they started slow again and, and had bad seating probably in part due to that. And so 
you know, they're not, they can't seem to get out of their way to get over that next hump. And I don't know what it's going to take to do that, but that's where Josh has got to figure this out because people want a little more consistency. You can't just do like one tournament in six years. Like that's not going to, that's just not going to cut it at Georgia tech. Like, um, so he's got to figure that out. I, you know, I'm still not a huge fan of the Princeton offense stuff. I felt, I felt like they should have trashed that this year with what they had personnel wise. It made zero sense to me, um, but they keep going with it. Um, you know, I thought their bet some of the more interesting games have been when they've gone away from the Princeton stuff and changed things up, but you know, I'm not the coach Josh is, so he's got to do what he thinks is going to give his team the best chance to win. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, I get it. I was looking and I didn't realize how bad they were at free throws. My gosh. Yeah, free throw shooting has been terrible. That killed them in was the Miami game. They went three for ten, I think it was. And they're 69% for the season. Um, they've had some really bad games with free throw shooting, and their free throw disparity is really bad. Uh, it's, you know, I don't even know what it is now. It might be plus 100 on the season. Or minus hundred, however you want to look at it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're just they're not. It's not quite right, and you can you know it's sort of weird because the talents there. Like you see, Dave Davon Smith is a really talented guy, right? Like you can see just his sheer athleticism, but he can't harness it yet. He's still the, the game's the game is not slowed down, and his basketball cue is not at the right point yet. Um, with uh. Debo again, same thing. Raw talent, like could shoot the lights out of the ball. Just the body's not quite there yet. Um, you know, physically, he's still got to develop some more. Miles Kelly, it's really just a confidence thing with him. His shots looks really good. It's just not good falling. Um, if you look at it, he's rimming out a lot, and he's just a really athletic kid. And then Jalen Moore is really talented too. They're part of the problem is now they're sort of like where they were in, I guess the 2018 season, 2019 season where they had this kind of young talented team that wasn't ready to win. Um, And they don't have a Jose like on the team right now. They don't have that personality. So he's got to go find him one. I don't know who it is, but um, you know, they need to find that killer guard and they need to find, uh, you know, a functional big man that can score 10 points and grab seven rebounds uh, and occasionally pop off for 18, 20 points. It was funny. I wrote the thing on the website last week where it was like, if they literally had any one of the big men that they've had in the entire time I've covered them uh, prior to this season. If they just had any one of those guys that was a starting big man or the second guy, this team would be, you know, in the middle of the ACC and, and maybe on the bubble. And instead, they're in last place. And that's how fine the line is for them. Um, As Josh likes to say, the margin of error. But it was not what uh, we needed at JOL after a rough football season. We needed the basketball team to step up and generate interest. And I had made a commitment to covering the team. Um, We cover the team much deeper than even the the local paper in terms of more games and and game coverage and being there. And – uh, and the product is not delivered on that. So that's been sort of uh, tough for me, you know, traveling every week and watching, you know, them find ways to lose games and, and get sometimes screwed. Yeah. I think that's, uh, 
that's exactly what it is, what it's what it is and what it, what it's become. It feels like during football season, everybody was looking forward to basketball season, and now during basketball season, everybody's looking forward to baseball season. So uh, uh, James, Ram- James Ramsey, Danny Hall, Danny Burrell, they they've all got uh, they've all got high expectations going into the not only this weekend but uh, this this season in general. Yeah, they better get. Uh get cracking they better get that rotation set yeah the one thing going back to the baseball team real quick is i think the offense will be fun to watch um i'm really kind of curious about how how it plays out um and you have an interesting lineup and and um the speedy infielder uh Chandler Simpson. yeah like i'm curious like what he looks like if he can hit well enough to play you know top of the order that really changes things too to have somebody with that kind of speed um, right. I'll be really curious to even see what the lineup looks like tomorrow. So, yeah, you know, or I guess today, uh, when y'all are listening to us, um, I think it's going to be fun and, um, hopefully Dan, yeah, I would like to see Danny Hall get to Omaha one more time. Like, um, I don't know if the pitching's good enough. That's going to be probably what it comes down to. He's running out of time. He's going to get there before his time. Ends. Exactly. So like, uh, you know, They've been close. They were damn close um, a couple of years ago, uh, but you know, I, it's yeah, the Auburn Auburn game yeah. in the regional. Yep, that was something else. That was a long night. Um, but you know, it's going to be interesting. We're going to try to cover it as best we can, and uh, hopefully, in the future, we'll be covering baseball a lot more uh, in person. But uh, got to get your friends to sign up for jackets online and uh and need the programs to to produce a little bit better as well that helps us out so it's sort of a double-edged sword there a little bit um but yeah uh you know any kind of final thoughts about all the stuff we talked about tonight russell uh i wouldn't really say any final thoughts i just think that um i'd say within the next week should see uh, maybe even less than a week. I'm not really sure in terms of the, the timeline for an official announcement, but I wouldn't be surprised to see a, uh, a recruiting hire um, sooner than later. And then, uh, you know, everybody is always, you know, trying to figure that out, trying to read between the lines. And, um, you know, I don't really think there's there, there's any to, to read between there. Uh, just, you know, just kind of waiting for you know, everybody to, to, to make their decisions and, and get clearance from everybody who they need to get clearance from. Yeah. I think there's, um, I think there's a hire that, that tech people will be excited about coming down the pike. Um, and, and, you know, that'll be fun for, for Georgia tech, um, hopefully, and hopefully fruitful. I think, you know, recruiting so much about relationships and, um, I think there's some people that can really up the ante in that, in that regard for Georgia Tech. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Russell, uh, with that said, let's wrap it up. We've been listening to the Jackets Online podcast. And uh, everybody uh, enjoy baseball and hopefully basketball will give you something to cheer about.